to Life in the Land of the Ice and Snow. My name is Heather, and today I'm here with my co-host, Shayna. Hello. Hello. And our guest today is Joanna from Hungary. Hi, Joanna. Hi. Did I pronounce it right? Yeah, I usually, that's a question I get a lot. And I just usually say, pronounce it the way as you would do it in your own language, because... <laughs> It's quite an international name with lots of pronunciations. That's the thing. So it, it makes it hard to know which one to do. Uh, my name in Sweden is generally Heater instead of Heather, but oh. I just go with it. <laughs> well, at least I don't I don't have one of those uh, Hungarian names that get butchered all over the place and sometimes yes. even have very profane meanings in other languages. So I'm happy about Johanna or <laughs> however yes. you wish to say <laughs> Well, so, okay, where in Hungary are you from? I was uh, born in Budapest and raised in a small town next to Budapest. So we can just say Budapest, basically. Got it. And why did you come to Sweden? Um, that has a lot of, there's a lot of reasons uh, behind that decision. So uh, one of them number being... One. <laughs> uh, reason if I had to choose, I wouldn't be able to choose a particular order. One of them is that my husband would love to live in a different city every three, four years. Uh, I think he should have been a diplomat, really. Um, <laughs> and I love traveling a lot and spending extensive amount of uh, time elsewhere, like abroad. But I do love my little nest that I can get back to. So the compromise was that we can move once. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then <laughs> Sweden was the chosen uh, country. And another reason is, of course, the political situation in Hungary was getting, um, well, not so comfortable for our taste. Let's just say it like that. I understand. I've been reading yes. a lot <laughs> on it. Um, so when, when did you leave in the past few years? Uh, funnily enough, we decided in 2018 that uh, when, when this government got elected for the third time then, that okay. we would like to leave. We started looking for job. Uh, we started looking for the opportunities. And finally, we uh, moved in February of 2019, just the day after I turned 30. And, wow. uh, <laughs> and it was a very successful move because three years later, so in total four after the decision was made, we got the keys to our first apartment that we have purchased like our own apartment wow. so well you're, done. Yeah. you're ahead of we me we are so happy about that <laughs> sorry it's just because <laughs> the numbers line up so perfectly that one just feels that this was meant to be oh definitely brilliant so you've been in sweden then since 2019 Yes, that's and correct. how has it gone with the language? I mean, obviously your Swede your English is excellent, but I oh, know well, that <laughs> <laughs> I know that Hungarian is one of the hardest languages to learn. So then, does that make it easier for you to learn oh. other languages? So actually, I studied linguistics in university, and our go. linguistics teacher said that there's no such thing as a hard language. It's just it depends on what your mother tongue is and what your brain is used to as the logic of the language. So for a, yeah, Hungarian is really difficult to learn for a lot of people. But for Hungarians to learn to speak, for example, Spanish or Chinese or English is equally as difficult as for a Spanish speaker or an English speaker to learn Hungarian. It's because of the logic that is completely different behind the way how we put the words together, really. Um, Swedish is 
I haven't been a good girl in this sense. We started SFE, we left SFE, reasons, that's a different story. But as to the difficulty, I would say it's not that bad. Most of the sounds and um, like phonetically, it's close to Hungarian as we have all these sounds. We have it in Hungarian as well. It's the grammar that is very different from Hungarian. But it's closer to English, as in both our Germanic languages. So I'm trying to get that connection and, and um, base it on my English knowledge and try to use that logic when I'm trying to learn Swedish, which I should dedicate way more time to, <laughs> I must admit. <laughs> what led you to choose Sweden when you decided that you wanted to move somewhere? So I'm, as we already established, uh, born and raised in Hungary, uh, but I'm also Cuban, as in my mother and my stepfather are Cuban. So I was, I grew up in a Cuban household. So everybody thought that I will choose either the U.S. because I have a lot of family living in Miami, the Cu- on the Cuban side, <laughs> <laughs> or I will choose Spain or, or some Spanish-speaking country. However, for the U.S., I, I love the U.S., but I'm too European for the U.S. I get it. I, I love my 20-plus <laughs> days of personal time off in yes. Sweden, 25, as we know. And I love my, you know, maternity leave and all this social system. So I, we decide, we both agreed that Europe, we would like to stay in Europe. And I love the Spanish-speaking countries or the Latin language-based speaking countries. I think I wouldn't be able to work or concentrate when the seaside is next to me and (laughs) I would just want to spend my days on the beach. (laughs) Plus, there's many other reasons that we felt like the Scandinavian countries are the closest to us in mindset, work-life balance, and all the social uh, system that I have mentioned previously. And we both have visited Sweden several times before. Um, my godmother used to live here and my um, or my um, father-in-law used to live here for a year. So we had some knowledge or basic knowledge on where to start. I am so impressed. I mean, so when I moved abroad, I just moved because I like the Irish accent. I knew nothing <laughs> about like the social system and the politics and the how things work. I wish I was as like switched on as you were. Yeah, at your age. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, we really wanted a change. I mean, our reasons were different as well. Like the reason of why we want to move away. So we were, of course, trying to find a country that would definitely not be in the same situation as Hungary in that moment. So we really wanted to do a research to not fall in the same trap, so to say. <laughs> yeah. Do you I get a, a chance to get back home often or, I mean, yeah, well, COVID aside? COVID aside, yeah. We were planning initially to go back home every, like, twice or three times, thrice in, in a year. But then, of course, COVID <laughs> did um, cancel those plans somewhat, but I see that we will be able to get back on that plan now that COVID is starting to hopefully fade away. <laughs> I heard that Hungary got rid of the restrictions like a month ago. Yes. Well, they were on and off for a while, and it seems like they are off for now. That doesn't mean that the government also got rid of the special situation where they are allowed to come up with any kind of uh, rules and regulations that's at a whim without having to get that through the parliament. But Mm -hmm. hopefully that will, you know, end soon, maybe. (laughs) 
Well, something that's kind of funny related to that is that when everything went into lockdown, my husband and I were in Budapest. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yes. In 2020, we barely made it no. in. Uh, it was for our anniversary. We had planned a, a really nice, oh. uh, like, long weekend trip there. Yeah. And we didn't know if we'd be able to go because talk was going around about flights. But we made it. And then on our actual anniversary was, I think that was the day that the world found out that Tom Hanks caught COVID. And so everything started shutting down. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> but uh, that's at least like the U.S. was uh, shutting down that day and they yeah. were canceling. And so we thought, well, we were lucky to get in, but are we going to get out? Which out. we did. <laughs> but it was such an odd experience because the first two days were normal. You know, things were yeah. things were open, things were normal, just like always. And then by the third day, you start to see people wearing masks. Yeah. Uh, certain places started closing early. I think they were, you know, still trying to figure it out. Yeah, so, I think those what must have been the worst days worldwide, really, in the sense that regulations started to pour out from the parliaments and governments of each country towards people, but people didn't really know how to handle them. Some of these restrictions were not logical or did not make sense. And now I'm talking about every country made that mistake. I must say that the way how, like, I, I don't want to seem like a I want to criticize everything that the Hungarian government does. They did handle the situation as much as they could in that particular scenario. And I think all the governments did their very best, but it was impossible to get everything perfect oh, of course. on the first go. So uh, those must have been the, word, the most hectic days, I guess. <laughs> but I'm happy that you managed to go there and see the city because Budapest is indeed really really pretty like I'm very biased in that sense I was a tourist guide there for three years oh wow yeah That's great I should have met you before then yeah <laughs> it was lovely and I'm trying to remember like the types of food that we discovered there oh. it was quite a bit and and it's so hard to remember now I feel like something some sort of soup in a bread bowl or maybe that was just goulash uh, Hungarian goulash yeah Possible. And then we came home with a special spice that they put in a lot of things. It's red. No, it's paprika. So, oh okay. my, do you want the tourist guy to tell the story? Yeah, <laughs> let's, let's do it. There was a convent in Hungary and um, forgot the word, not the nun, but the male nun. The monks. <laughs> the monk. monks. Thank you. Sorry. Sometimes words just go past me. Um, so there was a monk who loved uh, gardening. And when the new world was discovered, because obviously like paprika comes basically from the chili that you can find in Mexico and all over Latin America, like in several places where it originally comes from. And several types of chili were brought to Europe and this monk in Hungary started mixing them and created a brand new type of chili, which he, he was not the one to name it paprika. Paprika uh, has different roots, but it is the Hungarian paprika. And there's a sweet version, which basically sweet just means that it's not hot. <laughs> and then there's the classical hot version. And it's it's not a mixture. It's a mixture as in it's a mix of different types of chilies into okay. one new race of paprika. Can you say that <laughs> for <Yeah>. plants? <laughs> and actually Hungarians on the table put pepper, salt and paprika. That's right. Okay, then it was paprika. That's... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. 
I'm trying to think some other things I, I found very interesting since you're the tourist guide. Yeah. We, we went to this hospital in the rock. Oh, okay. Yes. Uh, perhaps you could explain it better than me. It was a World War II bunker and then yeah. pr- ended up becoming like a nuclear shelter. Exactly. So that was built as a nuclear shelter, which was used as a hospital during World War II. I'm actually not 100% sure. That was a really long time ago. If it was already built during the First World War, and then they made it more secure during the Second World War, so it's uh, uh, good against nuclear bombs as well. But definitely it was used as uh, a shelter, and then it was actually used as a hospital for long after, even after the Second World War. Um, So it didn't shut down immediately, uh, as far as I can recall. And now it's basically a museum, so people can visit and you have uh, all the furniture and the gurneys and all the uh, Second World War hospital beds and uh, items there exposed, so people can see it, yeah. I thought that was fascinating. I don't know if you have seen the what we call the terror house That's or the house of terror. Yes, yes. I, I, I thought that that's what my, you might have been. Uh, yeah. Mentioned. Yeah. Which I wonder how many tourists go to this place called the House of Terror and think it's going to be some sort of like Halloween spook house. Yeah, <laughs> a lot. I can tell you a lot of them think that. And, and <laughs> but sadly, then, it's it's much worse because it's, yeah. you know, just real terrors. But I have to say that I felt really sorry for the person who was working the uh, ticket counter because they mm-hmm. just have these horrible videos videos playing on a loop yeah. of people screaming and dying and if you had to work an eight-hour shift what that's got to get to you absolutely and then there's the people who have to be standing there in each room you know um listening to the other videos all day long yeah. um just for some context for the listeners uh the house of terror is a building that used to be the place where the secret police of the communist party was and before that it's it's the same building where the secret police of the Nazi party used to be used to reside at and basically that's where people were uh, secretly taken to to torture and get information out of them or just simply uh, incarcerating them there so they don't spread information about freedom or they don't spread ideas of revolution against the system and um, yeah people have literally died there and right now I think it's one of the best thought through museum I have ever seen I know I'm biased again but no but I agree interactive as in it's not just you see pictures on the wall and you see just a couple of sculptures or anything like that my favorite favorite room like (laughs) of course as much as a room can be favorite in in the house of terror Uh, But the most fascinating room, I would say, is the one where the carpet is the map of the Soviet Union. And it shows where the camps, the work labor camps were in Siberia, where people from Hungary were taken to during the communist regime. And then on each spot on this map, on each city, you have like a little uh, cylindrical shaped how would you call these piece of furniture coming out with on top of it with items that they have found in those uh, cities or letters that Hungarians wrote to their loved ones from those labor camps. So I found that one very fascinating. But each room is really interactive as in, yeah, very impactful. Uh, it was definitely a, an experience to go there. Yeah. 
I feel bad though. Like I'm, I'm just bringing up some bad things. So, <laughs> but we did have a lovely time. It's a beautiful city. We got to go to the cat cafe, but I want to give oh. you a, a chance to tell us some nice things <laughs> about okay. Hungary and Budapest because there's plenty. <laughs> well, 70% of the country lies above thermal water residues. And we have awesome thermal bath. Just in Budapest alone, we have nine main thermal baths that out of which three are gorgeous and in amazing shape because they have been renovated uh, not so long ago because it was part of the Roman Empire. Uh, already the Romans built some thermal baths there. Unfortunately, we only have the ruins that, that can be seen of those ones. But then the Turkish came and they also built some thermal baths in 1600s and one of them is still in uh, an awesome shape because it has been renovated so people can go there to spend awesome time and then we have the other one which is the Seychenny that is is just gorgeous and is in uh, built in baroque style and people think that it's a beautiful castle but actually in the inside is a thermal bath that you can enjoy at every day of the year even in winter time it's one of the best things and you're in the water which is uh, around 37 38 degrees and then the weather is of course cold but you don't feel it because of the nice water and then the snow is falling on your head it's really pretty it's magical uh, actually i read that hungary has the largest number of thermal baths in the entire world yes as far as i'm concerned that's i was surprised yeah. yeah per capita <laughs> at least for sure it's also it, it also has a funny story behind it because <laughs> Um, Budapest had these thermal baths since forever, but the smaller cities in Hungary also have thermal baths because during the communism, we were trying to find oil. And so we started drilling like crazy all over the place. Um, but instead of oil, it was always just thermal water coming up. And we were like, oh, fine. So what should we do this uh, thermal water that we found here? Like we spent a lot of money on drilling the hole. We should, you know, try to do something so that money is not wasted. Oh, let's just build a thermal bath. <laughs> that works. So, That's a great idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm happy that this is how it came out. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I know that you were a tour guide, but I would imagine that you just have an interest in different places in history. So what can you tell us that you know about Sweden or Stockholm? <laughs> I know that Stockholm is called Stockholm because uh, it literally means city built on piles Stocks. of like wooden stock. Yeah, exactly. Yes. So. <laughs> Um, which I think is mainly true for the inner city, for Gamlastan, I believe, because there were a lot of tiny little islands all over the place anyways. But I guess that that particular island was uh, extended by these territory built on the stocks. And I have been actually listening lately to a lot of YouTube videos about uh, Swedish kings and royalty, but I must say that... <laughs> Uh, it was a lot of information to process. And uh, maybe if I tell these stories several times to some people, then it will stick in my mind. But I, I really find it fascinating that I live in a country that has a king now. I know many Swedish people would not be as happy about that, but... Uh, I think it's I was, cool. <laughs> yeah, I think it's cool, yeah. <laughs> I, I have to ask then, do you listen to the podcast of the guest we had on previously from A Flatback History of Sweden? Wow, not yet. I have listened to several episodes, not that episode particularly. Okay, uh, all right. You should some. check out their their podcast. They they focus on the history of Sweden. Awesome. So it's uh, very... I know that they're working... Amazing. 
in chronological order. So they're way, like way back in the old times right now. Okay, that's really fascinating. I will absolutely listen to it. I actually started listening to this podcast and I must say, I find it very interesting as well. It's so, so much fun to listen to other people's stories. Thank you very Thank you. much. We think it's so nice to hear what people from all other countries think is odd about Sweden or great about yeah. Sweden or like, why do they do this about Sweden? <laughs> yeah, actually, I have a story on that if yes, you'd like please. to. So my husband, when he found a job here, uh, he was the only person in his company that was not a Swedish person and he got a team everyone in his team he was the lead of this team and everyone was Swedish and he said okay so anyone who can tell me the weirdest biggest cultural shock about Sweden will get one hour off of their workday on Friday <laughs> so people started to tell him the weirdest stories ever but the one that won this contest was where one of the guys said that in the 60s or I actually I think not just the 60s but this is when he claims this was the most prominent there were sourdough hotels where people could put their sourdough that they have been growing and uh, you know taking care of into this hotel so that when they go on a vacation it doesn't die off someone will take care of it for them as if it was a pet and that was like the most mind-blowing information that we have ever heard of Sweden so far yeah nothing beat that so far <laughs> but does it doesn't that exist now it may I, I could imagine that is no but I thought I remember something in reading about it. like it's a very hipster thing like sourdough hotel I'm gonna google that now sourdough it sounds like a very hipster <laughs> thing yeah <laughs> I was gonna say it sounds so Swedish yeah step inside this bread dough hotel in Sweden like yeah. <laughs> I did not know it still exists <laughs> Wow. Okay. Well, hey, that's also our tip for this week. If you want to check in your sourdough to the sourdough hotel, <laughs> I guess there's a few available. <laughs> Can you take your sourdough there to get it fixed? So let's say that it's dying off and you don't know what's wrong with it. Will they give it, you some tips and tricks? Is it a sourdough it'll be, hospital? It says it'll, it'll be fed, massaged and well taken care of. <laughs> That's great. I love that one. What about you personally? Have you have you had any like cultural embarrassments or stories? <laughs> <laughs> um, cultural clash a lot. I must say most of them are very positive as in, oh my God, they do it like this. Why can't other nations do it like this as well? Like why didn't other people think of this? For example, I love Swish and I love the system of how the Pershonumer makes everything so easy together with the bank ID. Like this triangle of these details together make life so, so easy. Um, we we of should course, explain for people who don't live here that Swish yeah. is, I, I think there's some counterparts in other places, but it's where now you can there are easily transfer money. Yeah, and we've had it for a while now. And I think I think it also works great for flea markets and yeah. uh, office and, and things because then it, it's so easy to just, you don't have to have a bunch of cash with you. You can just give it to somebody with their phone number. Or the musicians on the street that are playing the guitar in the Tunnel Bana and then they don't have 
anything to accept money, no cans or anything. They just have their switch number, like phone number there to switch their money. <laughs> and I actually have seen homeless people also just putting their phone number out there. I know. Um, not it that seems there's so that futuristic <laughs> and strange. Very, very. <laughs> For the Americans, uh, I think it could be similar to Venmo. So that's right. how you can imagine it to be. But as far as I'm concerned, and maybe I'm wrong in that, I think Swish was first. <laughs> I think so too. <laughs> and, then, and then the personal number is like the personal number and bank ID is basically a way of verifying yourself through your bank details. And I actually used to work for Klarna for three years. And because of that, I know what kind of verification systems there are in other countries. And it's not even us who knew. We, we just knew because we saw this and many authorities agree that the bank ID plus personal number together, this system is the, mo- is the safest way of, taking, wow. of um, taking care of your money and protecting your identity. Like it's literally virtually impossible to hack it and properly hack it and properly b- break it through. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I'm trying to think of other uh, things right now. Um, any any Swedish problems? Anything that like you go, why is it done this way? I would say, yeah, the way how you have to buy an apartment and you have to bid for the apartment as if it was uh, an auction of uh, fine art. Yes. <laughs> um, in Hungary, you actually bid downwards. So let's say you find an apartment for three million crowns, but in Hungary, in Hungarian money, right? And you wouldn't go upwards you would go downwards like okay i will take it but i see this crack on the wall so i will only give you two million nine hundred and fifty thousand take it or leave it and that's how it goes in hungary whereas here in sweden there's like a certain amount and people start bidding on top of each other until finally someone wins and of course by the time you win it's like half a million crowns more so it's insane (laughs) That yeah. was really difficult to get adjusted to. Everything else where I was like, why it is done this way? At the end of the day, I found some explanation, a logical explanation behind it. And I was like, you know what? Fine. Oh, there's one more thing. The bathrooms, the pipes. It just drives me crazy that they do not put the pipes into the wall. That's, That's so, right. Like, They're all I exposed. Don't understand it. They are all exposed. <laughs> and then they say, oh, yes. because then, um, you know, it's more easy to fix them and like Mm -hmm. just build proper pipes that you don't have to touch for 20 years i don't care what what the next person will do with them if it breaks (laughs) you know you have to think of it as it it looks a little steampunk yeah it's (laughs) not my vibe but yeah i guess (laughs) i I don't think i've ever noticed that before yeah swedes say the same swedish people say the same that i haven't even realized i guess i'm swedish now (laughs) yeah Yeah. no, our that's bathroom has the pipes out. Uh-huh, okay. And you can even touch because there's always one that's like really cold and one that's really yeah. hot. And they just run all the way like up to the ceiling, around down the floor. Yeah. It's not just in the corners, like hidden. But then again, yeah, I get it for the logistical point of view. If you need like a plumber to come in and fix things, they can easily access it without having to take your wall down, right? Yeah, but in the meantime, to clean these things is a pain in the bucket. Okay. And enough. also Fair the... Enough. 
what's the name of the the bus stops that they don't uh-huh. build it into the wall as well like they don't surround it with tile and wall and something but just they are standalone bus stops i know that they are the cool and pretty thing but right no it's a pain in the bum to clean them especially yes. when they are shoved into the corner and you cannot access the corner but all the grind just goes down there oh that's so true. <laughs> that's that's the uh, the backlash from the pretty clawfoot tubs that that you get. Yes. <laughs> well, uh, we're about to run out of time, but you, you were so fascinating, and I love learning so much. And I'm definitely going to talk to you next time we go to Budapest. <laughs> yes, please do. Please do. I'm, I'm already googling to... flights. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I actually found really cheap ones from Orlando the other day. Nice. Mm, Another tip. (laughs) All right. Thank you so much for being on. And uh, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. And we'll see you next week. Mm.